Chapter the Thirteenth of Poor Miss Finch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Poor Miss Finch by Wilkie Collins. Chapter the Thirteenth. Second appearance of Jicks. Five more days passed. During that interval, we saw our new neighbour constantly. Either Oscar came to the rectory, or we went to Browndown. Reverend Finch waited with a masterly assumption of suspecting nothing until the relations between the two young people were ripe enough to develop into relations of acknowledged love they were already under lucilla's influence advancing rapidly to that point you are not to blame my poor blind girl if you please for frankly encouraging the man she loved he was the most awkward man viewed as a suitor whom i ever met with the fonder he grew of her the more timid and self-distrustful he became i own i don't like a modest man and i cannot honestly say that mr oscar de bourg on closer acquaintance advanced himself much in my estimation however lucilla understood him and that was enough she was determined to have the completest possible image of him in her mind everybody in the house who had seen him the children included she examined and cross-examined on the subject of his personal appearance as she had already examined and cross-examined me his features and his colour his height and his breadth his ornaments and his clothes on all these points she collected evidence in every direction and in the smallest detail it was an especial relief and delight to her to hear on all sides that his complexion was fair there was no reasoning with her against her blind horror of dark shades of colour whether seen in men women or things she was quite unable to account for it she could only declare it i have the strangest instincts of my own about some things she said to me one day for instance i knew that oscar was bright and fair i mean i felt it in myself on that delightful evening when i first heard the sound of his voice it went straight from my ear to my heart and it described him just as the rest of you have described him to me since mrs finch tells me his complexion is lighter than mine do you think so too i am so glad to hear that he is fairer than i am did you ever meet before with a person like me i have the oddest ideas in this blind head of mine i associate life and beauty with light colours and death and crime with dark colours if i married a man with a dark complexion and if i recovered my sight afterwards i should run away from him this singular prejudice of hers against dark people was a little annoying to me on personal grounds it was a sort of reflection on my own tastes between ourselves the late dr pretolungo was a fine mahogany brown all over as for affairs in general at dimchurch my chronicle of the five days finds little to dwell on that is worth recording 
we were not startled by any second appearance of the two ruffians at browndown neither was any change made by oscar in his domestic establishment he was favoured with more than one visit from our little wandering jicks on each occasion the child gravely reminded him of his rash promise to appeal to the police and visit with corporal punishment the two ugly strangers who had laughed at her when were the men to be beaten and when was jicks to see it such were the serious questions with which this young lady regularly opened the proceedings on each occasion when she favoured oscar with a morning call on the sixth day the gold and silver plates were returned to browndown from the manufactory in london the next morning a note arrived for me from oscar it ran thus dear madame pratolungo i regret to inform you that nothing happened to me last night my locks and bolts are in their usual good order my gold and silver plates are safe in the workshop and i myself am now eating my breakfast with an uncut throat yours ever oscar after this there was no more to be said jicks might persist in remembering the two ill-looking strangers older and wiser people dismissed them from all further consideration saturday came making the tenth day since the memorable morning when i had forced oscar to disclose himself to me in the little side-room at browndown in the forenoon we had a visit from him at the rectory in the afternoon we went to browndown to see him begin a new piece of chasing in gold a casket for holding gloves destined to take its place on lucilla's toilet table when it was done we left him industriously at work determined to go on as long as the daylight lasted early in the evening lucilla sat down at her pianoforte and i paid a visit by appointment to the rectory side of the house unhappy mrs finch had determined to institute a complete reform of her wardrobe she had entreated me to give her the benefit of my french taste in the capacity of confidential critic and adviser i can't afford to buy any new things said the poor lady but a deal might be done in altering what i have got to me if a clever person took the matter up who could resist that piteous appeal i resigned myself to the baby the novel and the children in general and reverend finch being out of the way writing his sermon i presented myself in mrs finch's parlour full of ideas with my scissors and my pattern paper ready in my hand we had only begun our operations when one of the elder children arrived with a message from the nursery it was tea-time and as usual jicks was missing she was searched for first in the lower regions of the house secondly in the garden not a trace of her was to be discovered in either quarter nobody was surprised or alarmed we said oh dear she has gone to brown down again and immersed ourselves once more in the shabby recesses of mrs finch's wardrobe i had just decided that the blue merino jacket 
was one article of wearing apparel which had done its duty and earned its right to final retirement from the scene when a plaintive cry reached my ear through the open door which led into the back garden i stopped and looked at mrs finch the cry was repeated louder and nearer recognizable this time as a cry in a child's voice the door of the room had been left ajar when we sent the messenger back to the nursery i threw it open and found myself face to face with jicks in the passage i felt every nerve in my body shudder at the sight of the child the poor little thing was white and wild with terror she was incapable of uttering a word when i knelt down to fondle and soothe her she caught convulsively at my hand and attempted to raise me i got on my feet again she repeated her dumb cry more loudly and tried to drag me out of the house she was so weak that she staggered under the effort i took her up in my arms one of my hands as i embraced her touched the top of her frock just below the back of her neck i felt something on my fingers i looked at them gracious god i was stained with blood i turned the child round my own blood froze her mother standing behind me screamed with horror the dear little thing's white frock was spotted and splashed with wet blood not her own blood there was not a scratch on her i looked closer at her horrid marks they had been drawn purposely on her drawn as it seemed with a finger i took her out into the light it was writing a word had been feebly traced on the back of her frock i made out something like the letter h then a letter which it was impossible to read then another next to it which might have been an l or might have been a j then a last letter which i guessed to be p was the word help yes traced on the back of the child's frock with a finger dipped in blood help end of chapter the 13th